We are in Alma 57, and it's the second part of a three-part letter that Helaman writes to Moroni, the chief captain of over all the armies. And so it's pretty cool we have the prophet writing Moroni and repeating in, or reporting in so that he knows what's happening in that part of the battle. And so the very first thing that I really love is in verse 1, and Amron, who now leads the Lamanites, who is the dissenter, a Nephite who knows better, um, has asked for Moroni to turn over, or not for Moroni, for Helaman, to turn over the prisoners that they've taken, the Lamanite prisoners of war, and that they'll deliver up the land, Antipara, if, they'll, if he'll do that, or Antipara, however you say that. Well, I love this because I think this is such a Moroni move on Helaman's part, and it tells you how in tune these two men were, that they knew that they did not want to give any more resources to the Lamanites. They didn't want to give them any opportunity, any benefit. And so I love that he answers and says, I think our forces are sufficient. We can take it ourselves." And it's just that whole adage of a bitter fountain brings forth bitter fruit or bitter water excuse me and a good a good fountain brings forth good water I might I'm a little tongue-tied but I love that because he just knows it would be so unwise to give them any advantage and that the Nephites and God need to be setting the rules for this and need to be the ones in charge, that God is in charge, not the Lamanites. So I just wanted to touch on that really quickly. And so then we know that more resources come and there's 2,060 now of the stripling warriors. And I love that it counts every single one of them. I think that's so cool how important they were and what a blessing they were to this entire army and what a gift it was of what covenant keeping boys that have been raised in these great homes and what a blessing they were seen as to this whole entire army. Okay, so here Helaman gets a new inspiration and I love this in verse 8. They come up with this idea. He comes up with this idea that God has inspired him to surround the Lamanite city and cut them off from their forces and from their supplies. And so they do this. That's a whole new thing that we've not read before. And so, again, it's just this illustration that God never runs out of ways that he can bless and help us. It doesn't matter Nephi or Satan's counter strategies. What matters is that Nephi and Helaman and Moroni and everyone else aligns themselves with God. And we see this again and again and again, how brilliant God is and that he has a plan and that Satan will not destroy his plan. And so the benefit is to always pair with him because he's always one step ahead and in charge. And so I love this because here again is another brilliant strategy that they've come up with. And so it tells us in verse 9 that they actually sleep on their swords and they guard night and day so that they can cut them off from their armies and from their supplies. And I just want to center really quickly on that. What patience that takes and they know and they have faith that God could defeat the Lamanites if he wanted to immediately but we know we have been taught in the scriptures that we are tried in our faith and in our patience and here is an example of being tried in their patience they have this great plan they've been inspired they put it into practice 
but we know it is days and days that they are sleeping on their swords and guarding against and watching, having these people watch against these Lamanite re, um, resources coming. And so if you go down to verse 12, it says, And it came to pass, not many days had passed away before the Lamanites began to lose hope of all succor. Therefore they yielded up the city in our hands, and thus we had accomplished our designs in obtaining the city of Cumini. And it'll go on to say without any loss of life. And that's an important thing to the Nephites. They never want to send any of these Lamanites to their death to meet their God unprepared without having the chance to repent and learn the gospel. And I think this is so cool that they always consider it such a huge thing when they can take a city without the loss of life because they realize what a gift that is from the Savior and what the purpose of this life on this earth is, and that is to repent and come to know God. And so I love that. And so it could be easy <clears throat> for them to be frustrated and think, Heavenly Father, you told us to do this. Why is it taking these many days? And to kind of lose trust and hoping to get tired as they're sleeping on their swords and waiting for this actually to come to pass. And what that reminded me of is Moroni. When the angel Moroni comes to Joseph Smith and tells him that it will be four years before he can get the record. And I'm sure um, that he was very clear, it's very clear in the record to us, that he told him it would be four years. And yet Joseph Smith goes and he reaches in like he's going to get them. And he's so disappointed year after year after year as he goes. And then finally, the third time, the angel Moroni says to him, this is your last chance. And I love saying to my students, why do you think... The Lord waited four years. He's told at the beginning from the angel Moroni it will be four years. Why do you think Joseph Smith went forward thinking he'd get it before that time? But also, why do you think the Lord had in mind these four years? All this time, Joseph's being persecuted. All this time, it, he's trying to refine himself more and more. I love when he comes back after the third time and tells him he didn't get, tells his family and his whole family is devastated. And I love that his mother says to the family, we have got to step up our efforts. This is the last year. We have got to be a better family. We've got to support him. And it's in her journal. And I just love that. And in every single class that I've taught, the kids always come up with, because there are things Joseph Smith needed to learn to prepare him for when he got the scriptures, the plates, because man, the heat turns up, even the persecution becomes worse. And he has to totally protect those with his life. He has to be singular in his purpose. And those far, four years are refining and a partnership with God and learning to put him first and not care what anyone else thinks. And so I really love this example. That's what it made me think of, of these men who Here's the prophet of God so inspired, and here's these 2,060 stripling warriors. You can't think of a better people, and yet God is trying them in their faith and their patience to trust him. And so I love that example. So now go down to verse 20, and it tells us that they have this little fight, this war, not little fight. <laughs> and it tells us in verse 20, and as the remainder of our army was about to give way to the Lamanites, so this Lamanite army is innumerable, behold, these 2,060 were firm and undaunted. And I love those words, firm and undaunted, and I would underline those. And it reminds me of that scripture when Jacob is is being kind of 
talking to Nehor and Nehor is attacking his beliefs and trying to prove him wrong and twist his words. And I love that scripture that it says, and I, Jacob, could not be shaken. And here is these 2,060 stripling warriors that were firm and undaunted, and I would say could not be shaken. And verse 21 tells us why. Yea, they did obey and observe to perform every word and command with exactness. And I love that scripture for missionaries. When we talk about be obedient, I love be exactly obedience to the very letter. And it shows you what comes from being exactly obedient. And it goes on and says that their mothers had taught them. It references back to that scripture before. We do not doubt our mothers knew it. And then if you go on, um, it tells us in 22, And now behold, it was these my sons and those men who had been selected to convey the prisoners to whom we owe this victory. For it was they who did beat the Lamanites. Therefore, they were driven back to the city of Manti. And I love that it equates in that verse obedience with being prospered by God. And here again is that thing that we're told again and again and again in the scriptures. Obedience equals prosperity or God's blessings. And here it is that they were protected because of their exact obedience. And then in 25, it says, And it came to pass there were 200 out of my 2,060 who had fainted because of the loss of blood. And isn't that interesting that it's 10%. That's amazing to me. Okay, nevertheless, according to the greatness of God and to our great astonishment, and also the joy of the entire army, it says the whole army, and that means not just his army, everyone. There was not one soul of them who did perish, yea, and neither was there one soul among them who had not received many wounds. And there is an awesome conference talk from 2018 by Elder Anderson called Wounded. And I want to read part of it here and then part of it at the end. And this is what it says in his talk. The Apostle Peter said, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. God did not create our spirits to be independent of him. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through the incalculable gift of his atonement, not only saves us from death and offers us, through repentance, forgiveness of our sins, but... He also stands ready to save us from sorrows and pains of our wounded souls. And so I love that it says here that every single one of them had some sort of wound, but none of them was dead. And I love that. And it's such a great talk if you want to go back. So I think it's so cool. And then it says that there were a thousand slain in the army when he talks about the whole army rejoiced. They know it's an even greater miracle because a thousand were slain. And so they know that this is distinctly related to these covenants that their parents have made. And the fact that these boys who are not trained soldiers are exactly obedient. And I love that that example is there for all of us to learn from. And so then it says in verse 27, now this was the faith of these of whom I have spoken. They are young and their minds are firm, and they do put their trust in God continually. And that's the lesson. That is the aha. That is the blessing to all of us at this time of coronavirus and at this time of so much that feels weighty as we try to strengthen and fortify the inner vessel to match our outer vessel. 
It comes from being exactly obedient and doing the things that we are told to do, even though we can't go to church, even though we can't go to the temple, be worthy of a temple recommend and be reading your scriptures, be doing come follow me, be saying your family prayers, be having home evening, all of those things. That is exact obedience. And I love that. And then very last verse is 36. Now it came to pass when I, Helaman, heard these words of Gid, I was filled with exceeding joy because he retells him about how they were able to come and save them from this second war that happens at this time. Because of the goodness of God in preserving us that we might not all perish, yea, I trust the souls of them who have been slain have entered into the rest of the of God. And I love that always that is the prophet and always that is what's said in here is the Nephites that died, they trust that God has taken them to himself. And so it is, they count it all joy. They know where they're going. It isn't that they're sad, but they know that they have a testimony and who they are going to dwell with. And then I love that it says in Numbers how sad they are when the Lamanites are slain because they know they have not had an opportunity to repent and come to a knowledge of the Savior and a testimony of the gospel. And they know that's what the purpose of life is. And so I want to end with some more from Elder Anderson's conference talk in 2018. And this is what it says. Look forward. Your troubles and sorrows are very real, but they will not last forever. Your dark night will pass because the sun did rise with healing in his wings. The Apostle Paul said, we are troubled, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. You may be exhausted, but don't you ever give up. By keeping God's commandments, we can find joy even in the midst of our worst circumstances. The Apostle John testified, the righteous which come out of great tribulation will stand arrayed in white robes before the throne of God. The Lamb will dwell among us and God shall wipe away all tears from your eyes. This day will come. And then he ends in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that because I do think we're entering a day of a lot of tribulation. And if we can be exactly obedient, he, we may be wounded, but we will not die. And God and those who do will be taken to him in his rest. And the rest of us will be strengthened and by our obedience prospered. And the Lord will spare us. And I love that testimony. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much the Savior loves you.